it is going to be something that we have to be conscious and aware about. We need to realize that we are prone to wander, as the songwriter wrote. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. If you've been saved for any period of time, there have been times where your, your spiritual life was on a mountaintop and then other times where all of a sudden you looked around, how am I here? What just, what just happened? Not maybe in uh, deep sin or anything like that, but just not where you know you want it to be. And it wasn't on purpose. But if I am going to have a relationship that is close to the Lord, it's going to have to be on purpose. We looked this morning, our text verse, and again tonight, Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible. So we have to have faith. That faith has to be strong. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Have you ever prayed prayed a prayer not thinking God was going to answer your prayer? And we wonder why we didn't get our prayer answered. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And let me tell you, God is. Amen? We know that. God is. Uh, it, it is. He is not a figment of somebody's imagination. God is. And God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is he saying? I will bless those that seek me. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Uh, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We find that God wants that relationship uh, to be close to him. And, and if we have a God-centered faith, then that is going to help us stay on point. Our focus is going to be right, and it will impact our life. We will live according to God's principles. Why? Because God is the focus. He's the center of my life. I used the glasses uh, as an illustration this morning, and uh, shooting glasses, I, and i got to get another pair of them, but uh, I like the yellow uh, shooting glasses. Why? Because uh, it just helps bring more light into what I'm looking at. Uh, I've, I'm wearing these dumb things now. Uh, you know, when I first started pastoring, I didn't wear these things. And so uh, I didn't have eye problems, uh, and I think it's just age. Uh, but since we've been here, I've, I've uh, been, now I, I'm wearing glasses. Well, the prescriptions keep changing, and so now I've got these progressives. So my reading is down here, and then it progressively gets uh, for, for uh, uh, distance. And so when I'm looking, I'm doing this number, depending on where I'm looking. And if I'm trying to read something, I have to put my head up so I'm looking down at the very bottom edge of my glasses. Um, boy, it's fun getting older. Uh, and so uh, anyway, but the glasses impact my vision. And where our focal point is, is really going to impact where we go. And if I have a God-centered faith, it's going to impact my direction. It's going to impact and keep me from going the wrong direction. 
Amen. But if I have a me, if I have a man-centered faith or a me-centered faith, I'll be all over the place. And I might do some things wrong, but it's not too far before you can go right off track. So let's go again, Genesis chapter number 4, and let's look uh, at these individuals that we looked at just briefly this morning, uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And again, she bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So here we have a shepherd, and then we have uh, a, uh, a farmer here, uh, and Abel, he also, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. So tonight we're going to look at a me-centered faith. A me-centered faith. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, Lord, as we have remembered uh, your death on the cross, your broken body and shed blood, as we have given in our offerings, as we have sung songs of praise, as we have, as we have listened to a special, Lord, we just thank you. It's been good to be in your house tonight. Uh, but Lord, as we open the Word of God, I pray that you'd help all of us, help us to grow. I pray that this message would uh, just reveal some things that might be going on in our lives. And if we are getting off track a little bit, if our focus is shifting, I pray that you would help us tonight. Uh, and may you be honored for Christ's sake. Amen. So here we have this family. Uh, we have Adam and Eve, and they strayed and disobeyed God, and all humanity uh, has a sin nature. Now their kids uh, have made some decisions. Uh, we have Abel, who is, who has, uh, is taking the sheep, and now uh, when it comes time for an offering, and this wasn't just any offering, this was a sin offering. Uh, there, were, there were offerings that were first fruit offerings, and it could have been the fruit of the ground, and it would not have been a problem. But this was referring to a sin offering, and a sin offering had to be a blood sacrifice offering. Uh, every sacrifice in the Old Testament was pointing towards uh, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the broken body, the shed blood. That's what uh, these offerings were all referring to and pointing towards. Uh, but there was coming a day when there would be no more offerings. Uh, why? Because the, the final offering, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, would come. And he, ha he has, praise the Lord. Uh, but here we find that in this time, they were to bring that sin offering. That sin 
offering had to be uh, a lamb. It had to be a lamb that uh, as we look into the scriptures, it tells us later and uh, all the breakout of the Passover offering. This was before the Passover offering, uh, but God had communicated to Adam, to his family, what these offerings were to be. And so now uh, they are bringing these offerings to the Lord. You know, God is just. God is just. And here he is not holding Cain accountable for something that he didn't know anything about. It wasn't that God was having respect unto Abel and and being a respecter of persons and rejecting Cain. That is not the case. God is a just God. And he had given both of them the information. They knew what kind of offering that should have been brought. And now uh, Cain chooses to do something else. He chooses to bring an offering of the fruit of the ground. Uh, But uh, almost all things are by the uh, uh, law purged with blood for with the by the shedding of blood without the shedding of blood there is no remission and so this sin offering had to be a blood sacrifice so so here uh cain uh, brings his offering to the lord and the lord does not receive it cain got mad god he gave god something and god didn't take it You know, Christmas time's coming, and we have the giving of gifts. And, you know, maybe birthday time, or usually people take a gift. There really has to be a problem if somebody does not receive a gift. Even out soul winning, for the most part, you go to hand somebody a gospel track. And you do this, and they do this. I mean, it's almost instinctive. You are giving me something, I will take it. But here, he held it out. And God said, no, I'm not taking it. God was not going to receive that offering. Now, when I think about this passage, I think about a me-centered faith. He's bringing an offering to God. He is bringing an offering. It was still probably a valuable offering. But God didn't receive it. But he felt like God had to take what he offered. You know, in a me-focused faith, We think God will take whatever we offer. You know, when the offering plates go by, and I know many people give online, and you give once a month, and and your tithes and offerings, you give twice twice a month, first and 15th. Some pay, uh, give their tithes and offerings uh, weekly, and uh, some are on uh, commission, and maybe you don't even have that kind of a a schedule. It's just uh, as... As resources come in and you're faithful with your giving. Uh, But, you know, if we decided that we wanted to, instead of our tithe, throw a $20 bill in. If a $20 bill is your tithe, praise the Lord. That you are able to tithe. if, If that is what your tithe would be. But 
If your tithe should be 200 and you threw in 20, God's not accepting it. Not as a tithe. Why? Because God said what the tithe is. And here we are specifically talking about an offering. Now, this is a sin offering. This is a trespass offering that is being offered, and it's not being received. And, and so God looks at, at Cain, and Cain is mad. His countenance is visibly showing that he is upset. Now, I don't know about you, but even if I'm not happy with the Lord, I don't want him to see it. Now, he knows what's in our heart, but I definitely don't want to express it. And here, Cain, he was visibly, he was angry with God. Uh, and so, uh, as he brings this, Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? You know, God comes to Cain when Cain is mad, it's Cain's disobedience, and yet God is still trying to mediate on behalf of Cain. Isn't God good? Even when we are wrong, God still comes. You know, God is always the one that's taking the first step. God, if there is anything that uh, has drawn us to the Savior, you know, the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But God always takes the first step. He has taken the first step every uh, part of the way. He has taken the first step in creation. He has written it on the tables of our heart that there is a God. He has given us the heavens. He has given us creation to tell us that God is. Uh, he has written it on the tables of our heart that we are sinners and that there needs to be a sacrifice for sins. And we understand that. We know that. Everybody knows that. Uh, but God, even in spite of our disobedience, a direct disobedience, God still is trying to, uh, to uh, reach out to Cain and make that connection and help Cain make it right. So let's look at it again. Verse number six. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Cain, if you'll obey, I'll accept your offering. If you'll bring me the right offering, I'll accept it. You do what you're supposed to do, and I will accept that offering. And God here is trying to bring him to a place of getting it right. You know what preaching and teaching is? It is, it is just God trying to use his word in our lives to try to help get us to just do what we're supposed to do. Isn't that good? God is so good. He is so patient. You know, I wasn't near as patient with my kids as God is with me. The expectation, I already told you, I already told you once. <laughs> yeah. How many times does God tell us things? And uh, over and over, God is such a gracious God. Uh, and so uh, here we just see, now look at verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. He said, if thou doest well, he said, 
shalt thou not be accepted. You bring me the right offering, and I'll accept it. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, I've heard this preached and taught uh, many different ways, but I believe this context fills in for us what he is talking about here. He says, if thou doest not well, if you don't go get the sacrifice that you're supposed to get, he said, I've already got one at the door waiting for you. Sin, as in the sin sacrifice, lieth at the door. He's not talking about your sin as in your sin is, is there because you're disobedient to God. God is here saying that he has provided that sin sacrifice for Cain. God, instead of Cain going and getting the sacrifice, God has gone and God has provided a sacrifice. And isn't that what he always does? So look at it. He says, uh, he says and if thou doest not well, if you don't just go get the sacrifice, he said, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall his desire be. So the desire, the sin, was literally a living animal that was there. That animal was lying at the door. It was the sin offering. Sin lieth at the door. There was a lamb that was there. And he, God is saying, listen, I have got a lamb prepared for you. And unto you shall his desire be. Now, I have been out hunting many times. And I have never walked through the woods and an animal come prancing up to me and just say, here I am. Unto thee shall his desire be. He said, he, the animal is there waiting for you to take that sacrifice and offer the sacrifice. God provided the sacrifice for Cain so he would be able to, to receive that. And he did not do it. Why? Because he had a me-centered faith. He felt like God had to accept what he was willing to offer. You know, in our life, we have to realize God doesn't have to take anything. God is God. And he has, he, he has the right to make those decisions. So uh, a me-centered faith. So a couple observations. Number one, a man-centered or a me-centered uh, me faith is selfish. It's selfish. It is, it is what do I want my faith to look like? And here, Cain must have felt like, I don't want to have a bloody faith. You know, there are a lot of churches that have taken the blood out of their songbooks. Any song that has the blood in it, they have removed those out of their hymnals. Why? Because they don't want to sing about the blood. They don't want a bloody religion. And let me tell you, without the blood, we have no hope. And Christ sacrificed. And he acted not only as the lamb, he acted as the high priest and offered uh, that, that blood on the altar for us. And so a man-centered or a me-centered faith, it's selfish. Uh, and in, in that, uh, the, the idea is, that's not how I want my faith to look. I want my faith to look 
this way. There are churches all over the place that have decided to give people whatever they want in their faith. There was a church up in Washington, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but literally the pastor, when he came to, uh, it was up in Seattle, went up there, he decided that he was going to start a church, and he had a, a clipboard, and he went door to door, and he said, "What would, if you had a church in your area, what would you want it to have? And he had all these different questions that were on there, uh, and there was drama, and there were all kinds of different things that, uh, that he had in that, and he went back, and he developed a church, a program that had exactly what the community wanted, and guess what? He's got a large church. But a me-focused faith is not a God-centered faith. A me-centered faith is not, we don't have a right to choose what the church is. The church is his, it belongs to him. He is the head. And with that, a man-centered or a me-centered faith is selfish. Uh, True faith uh, is faith that is defined by God. God is the one who gets to say what faith looks like and how our faith should look. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 shows us, we call it the hall of faith. Why? Because there are people that are there that exemplify what godly faith looks like. And when we, when we have that, we look at that, that's how faith is supposed to look. So when I look into my own life, it will reveal to me that, that a godly faith is going to look according to how God has shown us in his word, and it's not going to be a me-focused faith, uh, a form of uh, God. We form a God of our own likeness or liking. I used this quote this morning, Arthur Pink, he made the statement, an unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. Without understanding God's attributes, we have a skewed perception of him, often one cast in our own image. We need more than just a theoretical knowledge of God in order to worship him as he desires. So a man-centered or a me-centered faith is selfish. Number two, a me-centered faith is idolatrous idolatrous. Anything that is put above God is idolatry. It is just as if we bowed down to Buddha. When we were in Washington, we had uh, a bus route in an area, and it was um, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Vietnamese and Cambodian and Laotian and you go into these homes, and, and they will have all kinds of, they'll have mirrors over the tops of the, the doors to scare away the, uh, the, the evil spirits. They'll have uh, statues. They'll have little altars. As soon as you open a door, there will be an altar with Buddha on it, and there'll be candles, and there'll be incense, and there'll be all sorts of things uh, that would go on. And, uh, and with that, when we put our own desires above what God says. Just like bowing down to Buddha. Now, I don't think there's one of us here tonight 
that would go get a Buddha statue and bow down and pray to him. But if we're not careful, we can have a me-centered faith. And we start determining what, what God expects instead of what God says. Or what faith should look like according to Scripture. Not just according to ourself. You know, there are some things in the Bible that I don't like. But God's right. And I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to understand. It's not like I'm going to walk up to God and say, okay, now God, explain this to me. (laughs) No, uh, there won't be any of that. But there will be an understanding. Now we see through glass darkly, then face to face. Uh, We're going to understand. Uh, But but a me-centered faith is is idolatrous. Uh, Exodus 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up! Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Isn't it amazing how disconnected they, beca- they ca- became from, from Moses, the man of God? I mean, they disconnected from him so much that in this short period of time, now they, they aren't even referencing him by name. We, uh, they, they, are, uh, they are looking at him. Uh, he says, uh, for, as, or for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up. Uh, I mean, it, was, it is just so, so disconnected and disjointed that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We want not what has become of him. Uh, where did he go? What's going on? Uh, and Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings. Uh, and here you have, you have a terrible example of what somebody in leadership. I mean, Aaron here was the high priest. And Aaron now is going to be a partaker. He is going to be a part of, a participant in idolatry. You know, we, we might not be in a position like Aaron was in, but just like Aaron was involved in leading God's people astray, parents, we can do that with our kids. We get out of sorts a little bit, and all of a sudden we start making some changes, and what happens to their faith? We got to guard that. And he says, he said in verse number two, and he said unto them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After that, he had made it a molten calf, and they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. What did they do? Now they have made their own God. Now, this idol, this calf, is not a god. It is just an object. It is dumb. It has no mind. It has eyes, but it cannot see. It has having ears, but they hear not. Uh, Hands that touch not. Uh, And here they make this idol, and they can call it a god if they wanted to, but it wasn't a god. There's only one god. 
And here they, they uh, have made this false idol. Uh, in verse number 5, he says, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Now wait a second. He has gone in and offered sacrifices to God, and now he is offering a sacrifice to an idol. So quickly. You know, we can get off track pretty quick. You know, it's easy to be hard on Aaron. But the peer pressure got to him. We've got to be careful who we hang around. If we've got people that are pulling us, trying to get us to go a different direction than what God says, we better be careful. We tell our kids, make sure uh, you want them to hang around the right kids. Why? Because you want them to go the right way. And with us, it's so very important. And here Aaron, he is being a participant in this false uh, idol, this false God. Uh, and with that, a me-centered faith, what we will start looking at is, well, how does my faith make me feel? You know how many people I talk to? They say, you know, when I go to this other church, I just feel something. And you know what? I want us to have a great spirit in church. But I want us to have a great spirit, just not just not just so we can feel something. Because just because you feel it doesn't mean it's right. Try the spirits. To see if they be of God. And so here, how does it make me feel? I feel so warm and fuzzy. I feel uplifted. I feel emotional. It just, it just draws me. But all of a sudden, they go into a church and the preacher's preaching and there's reprove, rebuke, exhort. Well, I don't like how that church makes me feel. <laughs> you know what? We have, we have to realize that it's not just about us. And I want, I want us to enjoy church. And we should. But you know what? I, I am thankful for when my toes get stepped on. I'm thankful for correction. Why? Because it helps me stay where I need to be. So here, when we look at this, there is that me-centered faith, and it becomes idolatrous. Uh, a me-centered faith is not mission-oriented. A me-centered faith doesn't care about them, it cares about me. A me-centered church does not care about them, it cares about us. You know, as a church family, we can enjoy being together. We can enjoy the singing. I, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed the girls singing tonight. My soul was lifted up. You know, there's, there's a sweetness about serving God with people that you care about 
and being in a place trying to serve. But you know, it's not just about what goes on inside these walls. What goes on inside these walls are secondary. What goes on inside these walls are just to be the preparation for what takes place outside these walls. The life that we live. In here we are being trained for the real world out there. I mean, in here we're in boot camp for battle that's out there. And if we're not careful, if we just get me-centered, that we are just uh, providing what we need, uh, the, the ministries that we like, the, uh, the uh, care groups that we enjoy, the uh, different classes and, and Bible studies and all of those wonderful things, those are great. But if all they are is to help us just feel good, then it's not, it's not mission-oriented. The work that goes on in here is to be the preparation for what goes on out there. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Now that's a big job. You know what? That job, that needs all of us to participate Not a few. Everybody. Say, Pastor, well, Saturday just doesn't work for me. Well, I understand that. But get some tracks. And in your neighborhood, go tell somebody. Mission-oriented. We need to be getting the gospel out. If we're not careful, we will just get so consumed with helping us enjoy this Christian life that we forget completely why Christ came. Now, I'm glad I'm saved. And what a blessing. But there's somebody else's brother that needs salvation. There's somebody else's mama that needs to get saved. There's somebody else's daddy that needs to get saved. There's somebody else's child uh, that needs the gospel. Uh, there are people that need to be reached. And you and I, if we get caught up in a me-centered faith, uh, we will just enjoy all the blessings of being a child of God without going out into the world and accomplishing the purpose of why we are here. And God wants us as a church, uh, and a church is to be a witness of the body of believers. It is not uh, when we say the church is to be a witness, uh, that doesn't mean these walls are going to be a witness. Uh, the only witness is the believers within the walls going outside the walls and sharing the gospel. That's our job. And you and I need to be a part of that. Uh, it's easy to get me-centered. Pastor, I... Saturday doesn't work, or we start making excuses. You know what I can see God saying? Why has that countenance fallen? Why, why are you not being obedient? I'm making all these opportunities 
you know what, there's a lot of opportunities that we have that we don't avail ourselves of. There are people that God brings across our path that we need to reach. You know, 2019, 2020, 2021, those have been some hard years when we look at ministry. You know, one of the, one of the things that ministries across the nation are struggling with, getting people re-engaged. Why? Because we, we had time to just focus on me. Now, I'm pretty content. I've got my faith. I'm enjoying my faith. But our faith isn't so we can enjoy it. Our faith is so we can follow the Savior. Faith is so we can follow God. Draw closer to Him. Live a life in His image. Why? So other people can see Him. We are created in His image. And you know, a, a me-centered faith, we can forget about outreach and mission and too often that's the case mission is not about me man-centered faith or me-centered faith is all about what i get out of it not what i can bring to it and the music and the messages and the methods and the modes of worship uh, it's not just about what we get it should also be about us taking our faith uh, to other people. And so, does my faith reflect what I know about God? And there are so many ex examples here. Uh, we can look at uh, we can look at Cain and Abel. We can look at Aaron and the people. We can look at uh, Lot and Abraham and how Abraham pointed the direction for Lot and Lot chose the wrong direction. He, he didn't even choose a path that was offered to him. He chose a completely different direction. And with that, what do we find? We find that a lot of people are content with just making their religion their way. And our faith isn't about just making it our way. Faith is, what's God's way? And I need to be following him. A God-centered faith or a man-centered faith? God-centered or me-centered? And it really is easy to find ourselves me-centered. We can fall into that. But let's not stay there. Let's get back to where we are really truly having a God-centered faith and not a me-centered faith. Father, I pray that you'd bless. Thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, Lord, you know the needs of each heart, uh, those that are here in person, those that are watching online, all of us. I pray the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts and just lead us and guide us. Help us, Lord, to be uh, obedient to you. Help us.